can't now. Without further ado, he is our NCAA and NBA insider from Unfair Sports, Jay! Yes, and we have a very special guest from Unfair Sports. Please go and check them out. A pensive approach to the sports conversation. His name is Jay. Welcome, my friend. What's going on, Omar? Thanks for having me again. I appreciate you coming on, man, for the Big Five Zero. I had to have my best guest on, and you have definitely been one that, when you came on, the needle pushed for real. Man, we, I, I, those were, that was one of the episodes I had most of my listens to, so I just want to let you know that. Oh, that's good to hear. Glad, glad somebody likes me. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, anyways, let's get on in to talk a little NCAA and NBA. We have had a lot of news since we last talked. Um, the main things being, obviously, in college, the realignment. We have UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. This is after your Sooners and Texas decided last year they were going to the SEC. So please tell me, what are you hearing about all this realignment? What is going to happen going forward? Anything you know, my friend. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like uh, these schools are just trying to figure out ways to, to put themselves in better positions to make the playoffs. Now, now with all of the conversation around the playoff moving to a 12-team format, that's gonna that really kind of throws a wrench into what everyone was actually trying to do. But at the same time, recruiting is a big factor nowadays. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have be be great in college football. You're gonna have to get talent, and so moving to the Big Ten for UCLA and uh, USC makes a lot of sense because then it provides an opportunity to build that super conference that we've all been hearing is gonna probably happen. Yep. Um, the SEC is gonna do the same. They'll probably go pull another couple of schools on top of OU and Texas to where they can build, you know, super conferences. It makes it like an easier path for them to get into the playoff. Then with mm-hmm. the 12 team format, they'll probably be able to get three teams in there. And they all some teams that have the opportunity to redeem themselves if they lose in the conference championship or whatnot. So, I think that that's that's the direction of college football. Kind of sucks in some capacities because we're going to lose a lot of regionalism about Ooh. college football. I think that's the best feature right. of the game. Everyone enjoys the fact that you know you can hate some rivals and you can actually have opportunity to hate them if it, just because mainly they're right next door to you. And mm-hmm. with some schools relocating, you're not going to get that next doorness. Of a rivalry. I mean, like Georgia and Florida, yeah, that's a cool little rivalry and all, but Auburn and Alabama is even better because they're literally in the same state, not too far away from each other. Same thing with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. We'll lose out on rivalries like that. And if Washington and Oregon decides to join the Big Ten later with USC and UCLA, you lose out on Washington, Washington State. So you lose out on really the Apple Cup. So hopefully they'll figure out a way to make sure that we get that. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's it's a fluid th- deal, and we'll just kind of have to wait and see what uh, the end result's going to be. Yeah, you're exactly right. Because, like, for instance, with UCLA, the reason that and uh, they're looking into it, investigating it in the uh, the Pac-12 regions because of UCLA's connection to Cal and how they are interconnected within the California, you know, school system, the university system. Um, so it was a huge shock uh, to the Pac-12, at least that UCLA would leave Cal abandoned like that. Yeah, it kind of surprised me as well, too. Um, the Big Ten is really big on academics. You know, they're, they're, they consider themselves like the, the mm-hmm. academic conference on top yep. of being a powerhouse in football and et cetera. 
And I, I, I thought it was weird that Cal wouldn't go. But at the same time, it may be mainly because Cal is just really not that good at football. And so they don't want to just bring in a bunch of bottom feeders like they've already done. You suck, you jackass. Just to say that they brought in a school that's really good academically. I mean, Stanford's right there, too. So that made me really curious as to why those two of all of them were skipped over. Now, once the Pac-12 dissolves, in which it will, mm. don't get it twisted. There's no chance that the Pac-12 survives any of this. There's a good chance that you'll end up seeing them in the Big Ten and then the Big 12 taking over everybody else. So right now, all of the conferences are vultures right now just trying to get ready to peek, pick at the uh, the flesh that's available and left over. But I see the Big 12 end up absorbing a lot of teams on top of the Big uh, Ten grabbing probably one or two more from the Pac-12 and then the Pac-12 just dissolves. Yeah, it's it's only a matter of time, honestly. And the commissioner of the Pac-12, George Kalikoff, has to be sick to his stomach that he didn't poach the Big 12 teams last year when he had the chance. And now it's going to happen in reverse to him. Yeah, that TV contract's pretty bad. And the Big 12's opened up renegotiations to there. So they have a lot more leverage with their TV partners than the Pac-12 does because they signed some really bad contracts. So uh, the former commissioner, he just did not do the conference any favors. And it's at that point where I mean, the Big Ten just signed a, you know, a seven-year, $7 billion deal, you know, basically a billion dollars a year on average for their TV contract. So, I mean, that's big money for all of these schools to be able to, you know, cash some fat checks. And mm-hmm. it's going to do nothing but keep going up because this one commodity that, that never gets old is live sports. Yeah, and you're completely right about that money being the main case, right? All the TV deals because UCLA, as I have been a fan forever, we have been in debt in our in our sports department. I think we were like 25 million in debt like last year. So going to the uh, Big Ten where you're going to make 100 million dollars a year on a TV contract versus what you would make in the Pac-12, which is like 20 million, 25 million, is a huge difference. Um, yeah. So, okay, so hypothetical then. You're the Pac-12 commissioner last year. Do you try to poach the Big 12 teams or do you still go with that big, not knowing what you know now, but do you still go with that Big 10 like ACC alliance like they tried? I mean, it used to be the Pac-10 back in the day, so technically they had it. They could have, they you know, kept that going. But as soon as you heard the words that USC and UCLA, your largest markets are bouncing. Yeah, you ain't you ain't you ain't got no luck. You ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. No, nothing to even stand upon. You know what I'm saying? That that's a not that's a, a critical not a market. Stand on nothing. Not a single one. No, and that's that's critical markets. I mean, to have you UCLA and USC, especially when they're good, mm. they're they're the markets that you want to have. And USC right now is on the trajectory to be really good with the way Lincoln Riley and uh, Alex Grinch doing things, and then having uh, UCLA with Chip Kelly. They're putting up some quality product on the field. So right now, fans aren't going to games, but they'll start going to games when the season's later and they realize the teams are actually good. That's right. the tough part about it. The L.A. market is that there's so much to do. So yeah, why would I sit up and watch football right. basketball? I can, I can go to the beach. I can go mm. do other stuff. And now when you have good football, that it's very much bandwagony out there. And that's just kind of how it is because there's so many options. And so – Losing that market, Pac-12 commissioner, follow the commissioner. I'd go ahead and try to find a way to steal other teams. But 
you're you, you don't have much of a leg to stand on, unfortunately. You don't. And the big the Big Ten honestly has been very you know precise in their acquisitions because, and I only say this because I'm a I went to the University of Maryland, so I'm a Terp an alumni, and uh, they poached us and Rutgers, you know, seven years ago or so. And why? Not because those teams were good. But because, A, like you said, they are both part of the AAU, the academic, you know, American academic institutions or whatever the hell it is. Um, yep. And because you get that D.C. and New York TV market. That's what you go for. And, that, yep. and that's what you want. You know, you get those, t- you get those eyeballs and then you can start negotiating with your TV contracts. And negotiating those TV contracts is where that big money comes in. And so, yeah, that's the goal is to find a way to get as much money out of these TV networks as possible. So you see, what, two 24-team super conferences? Is that worth thinking? Uh, I think it's going to probably still be it'll, be... it'll probably be four. I'd say four. Four okay. super conferences, and that would probably be the way it sits. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks on that. I, that was, I mean, I was waiting to hear your opinion on that, so I'm glad we got all that goodness you have. Now on to the NBA. Uh, we got to talk about my Celtics. What's up with Ime Adoka, man? What is happening? First of all, if you're my coach... I kind of have an issue with your decision making if you're cheating on a certain someone who I kind of loved my whole childhood. <laughs> hey, what happened? Pussy. I think everybody did. And I mean, that's kind of a big problem right now, man. It's, it's yeah, it, dude was just horny, man. He out here being horny at the wrong time, doing mm. things that you don't need to be doing. Um, and especially because it was the subordinate. You know, there's so much more details to this that we don't know. And that's kind of a big issue. I think Boston made a mistake in the way they put yes. this out there. I'm, I'm guessing they were trying to get in the head of a lawsuit while at the same time making themselves look bad because they didn't mm. really put no details out. And then when the player's side, which, you know, Woj puts out the co- the front office's statement, uh, Sham Sharania of the Athletic and Stadium, he puts out the agent and the player side of it. And then it comes to look like, oh, they're just being stupid about a consensual relationship. Like, that's ridiculous. Mm. And then you start finding out more details. Everybody had an opinion and a thought. But then about, you know, a, a couple of days into it, people that had comments pulled back all of their statements. Matt Barnes was the best Matt example. Barnes, he said, hey, yep. man, I had to shut up. He's like, man, I deleted everything I said. Why? Because I got a phone call that told me the details, and I learned something. It's way worse than we think it is, man. hundred times worse than we think. So because of that, I'm not going to be stupid enough to believe that, you know, I was, I was right for anything I said. That's the one problem. That's the one problem we have in media in general today. And, you know, doing the podcast and all this stuff, we're technically a part of this, is that we're everybody's always trying to find a way to get the information out first instead of trying to get the mm-hmm. information right. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that, it creates all of the speculation. And so with that situation, you just started finding out all these, you know, trolls and, you know, basically a-holes on the Internet out right. here searching every single female employee for the Come Celtics on. and putting them on blast on the Internet. It's not something you're supposed to be doing. But guess what? The Boston Celtics opened that up for everybody. They opened gave that the it. opportunity yep. to do that because they didn't provide the information they needed to provide. Why do you need to put out that statement? Now, outside of that, the whole situation with Udoka and him being suspended for a year, it sounds like to me they want to fire the man, but they know if they fire him, somebody's going to hire him tomorrow. So they got to mm. suspend him for a year and figure out what exactly, if the league will step in to actually you know, do some sort of uh, ramifications for his actions because of how potentially horrific they could be. If that's the case, I think the whole problem I had with the way Boston did it was is that don't put a little bit of information out. Put as much as possible out there and then let everybody know it's a pending lawsuit and we get out, we can only say so much. 
We get that. If you tell us that, that lets everybody know that it's a lot worse than we think. And it, if there's legals in there, everybody shuts up about it. But they didn't want to do that. They, they wanted to put out these little little snippets of it. And then when the consensual relationship came out, it, it made me laugh in a way was Sham Sharanya tweeted that out right after Wode said that, you know, just right. an undisclosed situation. And then Shams puts out, you know, consensual relationship piece. But then when you read his piece like an hour later, it says, well, they thought it was a consensual relationship, and then they right. figured out it probably wasn't. And then it's like, okay, so you just buried this in your entire report on this that you got misinformation on your tweet. And guess what? All the information is still out there. So we got all these fans thinking that, oh, this is BS. This is a consensual relationship. They're adults. Why are they letting mm. them? Why are they doing them like that? And it's like, no, that's not what happened. It's it's, it's a lot more to it that y'all don't know. So. It's interesting that, you know, this is what we're dealing with. This is it's interesting how everybody it's, it's more fascinating than anything, how they're trying to go through all of this. But I do believe that the only reason why Udoka still has a job, he's only been suspended for a year, is because we all know that just because it's your team policy don't mean somebody other team's policy. If you fire the man today, then he's going to get a job tomorrow as an assistant and then be a head coach within a year from then. And that's not something they want to deal with. Not at all. And it is a case of exactly what you're saying, social conditioning, right? Like the media, which we are now a part of, is conditioned to try to break the story with as much information as they have, even if it's not all of the information. Right. Um, so, yeah, the fact that they put all that out there and then to come to find out, me being a Celtics fan, I got some sources and things that told me about things that happened, about getting caught on a ring cam and other things that I'm not going to get into right now. But um, like you said, it's a lot deeper than it is. Um, just know that if you are the head of an organization, as a coach is, right, they got as much cachet as the GM and the, uh, almost the owner pretty much, right? Yep. Like you are the head of the players. You can't. You cannot. And the rumors are the, you know, the VP of the house, wife, whatever. It doesn't matter. You cannot cannot be sleeping around within the organization and then the fact that you cheated on me along who i've had a crush on personally for about 50 damn years i'm not even 50 years old is right. ridiculous damn daniel damn daniel damn daniel yeah, man, you know, there's a lot going on with that. I mean, uh, you know, and that's the problem. Most of it's all speculation. We don't even know the, the, the true situation with this. Like, as you just mentioned about, you know, the, the VP of the NFL's wife, I heard about that. I also heard that it was an elf wife who also planned Neil Long's move to the East Coast when, you know, he got the job. Right. Damn, Daniel, back at it again with the white man. Spicy, man. Damn. And so there's so much speculation out there. And the problem is they're not giving us much details on what's going on. And hopefully Joe uh, Missoula does a better job and he makes it. But right now, the biggest problem with him is is we're getting a whole bunch of information about his past and how he had a domestic violence situation. And, you know, it's kind of hard to hire for for people to not pay attention to the fact that you just promoted a guy that had a, a background on domestic violence when you just suspended a guy because he did something when it comes to inappropriate things to female workers. Like, like how do you how do you expect people to not say something about this man's past? Like, that's not something that you can't just avoid. It, it's part of the conversation at that point. Man, Jay, you just hit the damn hammer on the damn nail head, my friend. 
Like, that is exactly what it is. First of all, you're Boston. You opened the Pandora's box, as you had mentioned, to all the criticism, all the critiques, whatever. Then you don't fire him. Fine. Whatever. Yeah, exactly right. Actually, I know you're right about the part about them wanting to head off a lawsuit so they got it out early but didn't want to put it too much out. You're exactly right about that. But the fact that you open it up and then hire a coach who, granted, I am the first person to believe in second chances. I have needed many a second chances in my life. But for you to hire someone who has past issues is just going to bring on more questions and more critique and more investigation into what is happening in your organization. And it makes you look stupid. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's one thing that Boston's got to figure out now. That's something they're going to have to navigate. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Joe's been hired there for a while, and he's got a second chance as an assistant. You're going to promote him up because you feel like it's time for him to get it. Totally get that. But this was just this was just bad optics all around. And I think that Boston needs to reevaluate the way that they present this stuff in the future. All around, I completely agree with you. It was a shitty job by my organization, and they need to do better in the future, especially because they hurt a lot of those females like you had mentioned. So, You suck, you jackass. Anyways, let's move on to some better stories in the NBA. What do you think about the Donovan McNabb trade to the Cavs? Everyone thought it was going to be New York. What happened? Yeah, so Donovan Mitchell gets traded to oh, Cleveland, which say? is, uh, yeah, he say? said McNabb. He said no, McNabb. Said it's McNabb. all right. You know, it happens. Donovan's the Donovan. Am, right? Say what? Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that Danny Ainge was able to fleece the Cavs the way that he did. It, it felt like it felt like overkill for me when I saw the trade. But at the same time, I guess Cleveland feels like this is their window now. They got a whole young roster who's growing. They they look very impressive last year. They definitely outdid expectations. And because of that, you bring in a player like Donovan Mitchell, it gives you an opportunity to have another solid score while getting rid of Colin Sexton, who you weren't going to sign because of that knee injury. You're able to really clear up and then push for the East Eastern Conference, which I'm totally here for. Now, the only thing I, I didn't understand with all of this is why they gave up so many draft picks, but that's neither here nor there. It's probably because they got so many young players and they felt like they can do that. It's yeah. not like it's not like um, Cleveland is a destination for free agents. I mean, ask LeBron. He had a problem with getting free agents to come out to Cleveland, uh, especially veteran ones, the ones that are actually good. Young players are going to play there because they want that check. Now, good ones is the question. But we'll see what they look like playing on the court. I mean, I see why teams would trade for them. The Knicks screwed up by not taking advantage of that. The Knicks mm. screwed up by not being prepared to go whatever they need to do they need to do to get this deal done. They needed Donovan Mitchell more than anybody else, and they just did. They just you know they dropped the ball on it. And so Cleveland has an opportunity to really wreck shop in the East. New York's going to be the same as they are always are. Maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe not. We'll see what it looks like for them. But I don't know if you're going to win a championship with Donovan Mitchell as your best player, period. He he has proven to us in Utah that he doesn't like playing defense, and because of his lack of defensive capabilities, hasn't shown us a situation where he can win you a chip as the best player. you got to have a guy that can at least halfway play decent defense, and he hasn't shown us that yet. Well, so if th- if that's the case for them, hopefully that they surround everything and Jared Allen's able to actually – guard the perimeter like Rudy Gobert couldn't. They Cleveland's got a good chance of taking over the East. But we'll see if that happens. 
Yeah, I, I I said it once they made that trade. Didn't say much about the Donovan Mitchell part because I knew that he was going to be the centerpiece there. But they have a really young squad, and that's what I focused on. And I said it to my group chat. I was like, yo, the Cavs are going to be trouble the next few years for us and everybody else in the East. Um, that yeah. being said, might as well get your early, very early, very, very early predictions of what you think is going to happen with uh, the champions and everything like that in the NBA. Yeah, man, to be honest, I don't know who – I mean, the, the smart answer is to always go ahead and put your money on Golden State. Keep it mm. on Golden State. Probably keep it on Brooklyn. When they're healthy, they're probably one of the best, if not the best, in the East. And Boston, you know, even with the turmoil they've got going on there, and hopefully Jalen Brown's not pissed off and asked for a trade sometime soon. Y'all should be Ooh. fine. Y'all should be potentially pushing deep. Milwaukee is always going to be a threat. When they're healthy, they are probably the biggest threat. But overall, it's going to be tough. It's really tough to figure out who's going to come out of either conference. But I think it's probably going to end up being Golden State and Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I, I actually want to touch on what you just said. So you talked about the Jalen Brown and Kevin Durant. What do you think about those trade talks? What do you think about Kevin Durant trying to get out and now staying in Brooklyn? What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, you know, Kevin basically said that he never asked for a trade. So, you know, I don't know what's real, what's not, who said who, what. I mean, he probably didn't. His agent probably did. So he probably didn't, which, you know, it's fair. You know, we, we can play that game. We can play the semantics on that, you know, whatever vernacular you want to use to say <laughs> who did, well, who's he, what's it, so whatever. But, I mean, it made sense. You know, it didn't look like Brooklyn was doing anything to improve the roster. They got a whole bunch of old players that couldn't play. I mean, you know, Blake Griffin just signed who was you guys at Boston. So yep. you got you got an old dude that can't jump anymore. So right. that means he's honestly mm-hmm. worthless in the NBA because yeah. that was the only thing that he was good for is his athleticism, and that's gone. And so for Kevin to want out, I mean, it makes sense. Like I said, it doesn't seem like Brooklyn was doing anything to actually help them out, but to me, for Jalen Brown, I mean, I get the way you would probably feel about, kind of feel some kind of way about your team thinking about trading you or whatnot. But if you really think about it, dog, they just want to see you for Kevin Durant. Like That's Kevin Durant's probably a top three player in the league right yes. now. Jalen, you're gonna right. get there, but you're not it yet. You know, tell Jason Tatum is still ain't there yet. Half the time, it's you over Tatum, and then Tatum over you. Mm-hmm. So you should feel a little bit more flattered that that conversation even happened. That means that That's somebody thinks of highest regards to you and even thinks you could be a number one. But outside of that, I mean, I'm glad that Boston hasn't broken that team up and just letting it play. I mean, you made it to the NBA Finals with some guys in their early 20s or mid-20s now. Like, who who can, else can say that besides Oklahoma City when they did it? You know what right. I'm saying? Right. It's hard to get a team to the league that's surrounded by player, a, a team full of players that are young, that are still really good, and enough veteran presence to hold things together to go to the finals like that. You, you don't get that very often. And the only reason why Boston lost that series, and I said this when the series is coming up, Boston's going to lose because of age. You're going to lose because they're young. They're going to do a whole bunch of young people mistakes, and every time you've looked up, they'll make a whole bunch of young people mistakes. That's missing on your assignments on defense, taking shots that you shouldn't be taking. The biggest one, Jason Tatum feels like he wants to take the hardest shot every play instead of actually taking, you know, taking people to the rack, which you're really good at, or taking your back to the wall, hit him with a fadeaway. No, he wants to dribble a certain amount of times and shoot and shoot wrong. Jalen Brown, biggest problem with him is he can't dribble. We've seen it. When he dribbles, bad things happen. When he ain't dribbling, he's just going for a quick drive and go. He's good. You know, like he, he's great. And so he's a talent that's not going to be – he's. He's going to be someone that's going to be special in this league for a long time. So 
as long as Boston keeps his team together, should be good. So, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what the team looks like rest of the year. I honestly do not think that Brooklyn is going to be as good as we think they are. I'm just waiting to Ooh, see when, like, okay. they don't Even play. with both Kevin Durant and Kyrie coming back. I mean, they ain't never healthy. I mean, has either one of them played more than 50 games in a season That's in the last nope. five years? You're right. Uh, if you, if you can show me when they've done what? that, I'll gladly go ahead and say that there'll be something. But I, I it's hard to be rely, to, to rely on people that aren't reliable, that aren't on the court. Like, you got to be there first. Hey, what happened? Toasty! The best uh, ability is availability. And yep. on that note, I, I know I have to say, I have to prop you up because you are completely right. You called everything on the NBA Finals. We talked about it before, and I thought that was like, man, we're destined. And you said, nope, y'all are way too young right now. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's the only thing that killed me about, exactly. about Boston, man. And it's, not, and it's not something you can even control. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those when your best players are, the young, are so young, they're going to make those mistakes. You're going to be like, why did you do that bonehead move? Oh, it's because you're 20 years old. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. It's usually something a 20-year-old would do, right? That's what kills a team like, you know, Boston. That's what killed Oklahoma City is that it was young player mistakes that killed them and prevented them. And that, and then, of course, Oklahoma City, they went to injury purgatory, knock on wood. We hope that Boston doesn't end up in that circumstance. But, yeah, that, that's what hurts you. You, you, you. you just make those choices that you're like, that's not something a veteran would do. And until they get to that mentality or they get to that point in their career where they're the veteran, usually around 27, Giannis showed you, you know, he would make young player mistakes. But when he got 27, 28, he start to, you start to see that maturity in him. You're like, oh, no, nah, he's serious. Yeah. <laughs> he's ready. And they, and they start doing it. You know, Kevin was the same way. You know, Steph, same way. When they start to get to that age where you could see that, oh, that's, that's the choice. They're making choices, defensive movements. They're making passes. They're taking certain shots. Especially because in the playoffs, the biggest thing with playoff basketball and regular basketball is playoff basketball, everybody buckles down and really plays defense. And everybody wants to say there's no defense in the NBA. There's a lot of defense in the NBA. The problem is, is that there's so many players that are so athletic and so good, it's hard to physically see that it's defense. Believe me, put them up against an average Joe. I've right. seen some of these NBA players go against players that played at college, played D1, D2, and D3, and guess what? They put the cuffs on them boys, clamped them, and you're like, oh, did not no, realize that they were actually that good. Let me shut myself up. Why don't I? And you learn a lesson real quickly in that capacity. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a grown man's game, and it's the same thing with football. Once you get to that level, it's way, way different than college. There's not even a, uh, a, a comparison. And that being said, that segues into my question, and perfect segue, thank you, sir, is about the NBA. Raising the age eligibility from 18 to 19. I have always been in favor of this, but I read an athletic article the other day that said why it could harm the NBA, obviously for reasons of veterans having less chances, but also because those players aren't as developed yet and the NBA's development system isn't as good as it actually thinks it is. Do you agree with this athletic article? What do you think about the age uh, now being lowered back to 18? I think it makes sense. Go ahead and go 18. It's it's fine to me. You don't know why it's fine. Irregardless, these coaches are going to make stupid mistakes on 18 or 19-year-olds. It don't matter. One of the two. But they've got the league, G League. They've got they've got the, the development league, basically, that will give them the ability to prepare these players better for the league. I mean, hell, the G League uh, Ignite basically are kids that 
or go college to play professional ball. They're making half a mil to a mil a year playing there. And then they get drafted, and guess what? They still don't play in the league. So I think that it's a great idea to go ahead and just lower the age. If players are good enough to go pro and these and these general managers are fine with gambling a draft pick on them, let them do it. Just let them go do what they're going to do. I mean, you, you're going to run into a LeBron, a Kobe, a Kevin Garnett once every right. so often. And you're going to also run into a um, school, but a Michael Ola and Candy. You're going to hit one of those. And then you're going to also hit a lot of J.R. Smiths. And that's fine. Those J.R. Smiths are really good complimentary pieces that will be out there and be ready to play. But you're going to get a mixture of all of that. It's The draft is a crapshoot regardless of the age, no matter what. No, ain't no player a, a guarantee, ain't no one a can't miss. It's so rare to find a LeBron, a KG that's like that. So I think that it's absurd to think that the league's going to get worse because they've gotten a little bit smarter. A lot of these teams use their G League teams a lot. And you start noticing some of these players coming to the league are playing a lot better. They're playing a lot more skilled because they spent time in the G. So to me, take advantage of your G League, leverage that, you'll be fine. Yeah, I think that, you know, if you're 18, you should be able to make whatever kind of money you want. And if you want to go to the NBA and risk, you know, busting out like maybe an Andrew Bynum or whatever, then, you know, hey, you, you, you take the chances, that's on you. Uh, but I think that it should be available to anyone. And so I'm glad they did that as well. My friend, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate all the time. Thank you for joining us on the number 50 episode. Go ahead and, you know, plug all your stuff. Oh, no problem, man. Appreciate you having me. Hey, you can check me out, Unfair Sports. We got the podcast where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation, talking about all the latest and everything in sport. But we do a lot of college football content on the YouTube channel. Just search Unfair Sports. Uh, talk a lot of OU football, college football, and, and, you know, some days just sports in general. So, Appreciate you having me uh, here as usual, Omar. Thanks a bunch.